Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. As I read through God's word for the sermon today, coming from your second reading, Revelation chapter 1, and as I discussed during the week in our offices about what I was preaching on, Pastor Thomas actually reminded me of something very specific, a specific animal, in fact, the possum. As strange or as unusual as that may seem, and I can promise you we do not often talk about possums as a staff, we were reminded of a possum because above all else, the possum is the one animal that may be best known for what we would call plain dead. However, what we call plain dead is not a possum plain at all. It's, the, it's body's natural response when facing great stress, terror, or fear. And scientists have actually determined it's a completely involuntary catatonic state that the possum goes into. In other words, the possum has no choice in the matter. Whether he wants to or not, in the face of great danger, he has no option but to fall down as though dead. In our reading, Revelation chapter 1, I have to believe that John knew exactly what that felt like. John, exiled on the Isle of Patmos, we read, hears a loud voice like a trumpet. And turning to see what that voice was, John sees seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of them, one like the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, with his eyes like the fire of a furnace, and his feet like burnished bronze, hair white as wool like snow, and out of his mouth is coming a two-edged sword, and his face is shining like the sun in full strength. And we read that John's response to this is to fall down as though dead. Others in the Bible, when in the presence of God, also exhibited great fear. We read of the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, when the train of the Lord's robe filled the temple, that he couldn't help but say, Woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips. And the appearance of heavenly beings, angels, were enough to terrify shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night. And even John himself had some previous experience being in the presence of God when he and Peter and James, three disciples, went up with Jesus unto the Mount of Transfiguration. And there they saw Jesus with Moses and Elijah and a voice from a cloud Ring out to them, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased and listen to him. At which point they fell on their faces. But what's clear about Revelation chapter 1, what John sees here is different. Even from his own previous experience, the preview of the glorification of Christ on the mount 
of transfiguration. There on that mount, at first, the three disciples could stand, in fact, offered to build tents for Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. And only after they heard the voice did they fall down. But we read in Revelation chapter 1 that John is overcome, overwhelmed with terror and has no option but to fall down as though death had struck his very body. This response that John has is truly the natural response of the sinner in the presence of the glory of the divine. And when we read that John fell down as though a dead man, it serves as a reminder that we too of our own ability and merit could not even stand on our own two feet in the presence of God. It's a reminder that for poor, miserable sinners, the ones of unclean lips, and even worse than that, unclean hearts, that we truly are a lowly being. And as we reflect on that fact, reflect on our own lack of worth that we bring before God, Reflect on the reality, the humbling and somewhat terrifying reality of our own sin. Let us never forget what comes next in our reading. John, down on the ground as though a dead man, feels the hand of the glorified Christ on his shoulder. And although that hand has every right to smite him, it does not, and instead encourages him and says, and we read the words of Jesus say to him, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Fear not, I am the first and the last. Why can John, a man who is struck with such fear that he's down on the ground at Jesus' feet as though a dead man, why can he be told to have confidence to rise and be in the presence of the glorified Christ? Because Jesus is the first and the last. And that means for his church, it all starts and is completed by Christ. And how does John know that he can believe this? Well, Jesus' next words, that he is the living one. That when we read in Revelation 1.18, Jesus say, I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And therefore, when we read, Jesus say that I have the keys to death, And Hades, we know in the resurrection of Christ, his death and resurrection where he conquered sin, death, and the devil, like you heard last week, that truly changes everything for humanity. See, in our sin, there should be no doubt that today and every day, we do not, of our own merit, deserve God's grace. And there will be no doubt on the last day that we do not deserve God's grace. John's response to fall down as though dead is a reminder of that fact. 
fall down in front of the one who is the son of God and son of man. But as Jesus himself, God in the flesh, glorified in front of John, reaches out to John and tells him, fear not. Revelation 1 also serves as a reminder that God so too reaches out to every single one of you and says more than just fear not, but that as his church, he calls you to be undeservedly elect and glorious. Last week, last Sunday, if I had to describe it in a single word, I'd say it was awesome. For many Christians, myself included, it's their favorite day of the year where we get to celebrate the resurrected Christ, not just the empty tomb, but the bodily resurrection of our Savior, where we get to sing those familiar and beloved hymns, where the God-given talents of the musicians and the choirs are on full display, when we finally get to say the joyous Easter acclamation that, alleluia, Christ is risen, And yes, even in St. Louis last Sunday, we managed to get picture-perfect weather for Easter. And yet today, Easter Sunday, is over. And you may say there's less pomp or grandeur in our service here this morning. Perhaps maybe the singing seems a little less exuberant. And admittedly, there are fewer people in the pews next to you. And so maybe you find yourself asking the question of, now what? What's here for me after Easter? What are you excited about for today? Were you even excited for today? Or does this Sunday seem, dare I say, anticlimactic when compared to what we were celebrating last Sunday? What Revelation chapter 1 serves to remind us of is that the true greatness of Easter is not that Jesus Christ is alive on Easter day and that day alone, but as Jesus reminds John on the Isle of Patmos, he was dead and now is alive forevermore. And therefore, your comfort in the face of death is alive forevermore. Your joy in the face of great pain and heartache is truly alive forevermore. In fact, your only hope in life, like the Savior it depends on, is alive forevermore. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.